Thank you so much. The Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi. At time, Noble Abhuteshwara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Sharyabhutra said to Abhuteshwara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, how should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble Abhukateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of a noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form. Form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no purity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no adhatu, no all the Buddhas of the three times, so it means the Prajnaparamita, fully awakened to unsurpassable truth complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unimpulled mantra, and the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth, since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Atahum Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisattva Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Abhukateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra, the noble Abhukateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas rejoice and praise the word of the Blessed One.
So tonight we will uh, again be doing uh, the introduction to Buddhist philosophy and as a basis or an outline for this discussion we're going to be using the introduction to the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment or the prologue um, of that text um, and that's by Lama Tsongkhapa it's called the Lamrim Chemo um, uh, and the stages of the path so the most beautiful um, explanation or the best explanation that we can find um, or the, the nicest uh, explanation that we can find would be in this introduction because it it truly is the um, uh, uh, it truly shows the introductory or key points or introductory points um, um, in in a very um, uh, a clear fashion. Um, so we're going to um, use this text um, because this text is so important and and so clear. Um, the word Rimachi is using is solid, um, so it's uh, so complete, so solid. This this particular text. So if we ask, what is the meaning of this text, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, uh, we would answer that the meaning is an ex uh, the meaning is an explanation of the three types of beings, the teachings that are shared in common for beings of small and their teachings rather. Uh, the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and the teachings for beings of great capacity. So um, all of these teachings are contained within this text called the Great Treatise on the Stages of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. <laughs> So, the, the stages of the path for beings of three capacities um, that we find in the great treatise of, on the stages of the path to enlightenment um, is actually been first explained by Lord Atisha in the lamp for the path to enlightenment, which the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment is actually a commentary of. That 
Tene çoğutan tümüyle lazerimiz var. Dünyada tümüyle lazerimiz var. Yöbü tüne, anı seçen tanıcı kutu, sancı kutu bici, sancı kutu oje gelin. Ote sormalı ve, anı çoğuk sen, rajize giden bu. Rajize dağ, nyomu bir parça giden bu, anı kazıbı, çıbışım yılan. Dela dene, anı sancı ya. Okay. So the the Buddhist uh, teachings can be divided in many different ways. Uh, we can divide them according to uh, sutra and tantra. We can divide them according to the Hinayana vehicle and the Mahayana vehicle. Um, but a way that we can uh, divide them um, and uh, include all of the teachings uh, within that division is by explaining the teachings for beings of three capacity or the stages of the path um, for beings of three capacity. <clears throat> and then the uh, first uh, set of teachings, which are called the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, uh, Buddha uh, showed how one, uh, Buddha um, taught the stages of the path for one who wishes to achieve rebirth into the higher realms and abandon rebirth in the lower realms. So the uh, Buddha gave an explanation of the stages of the path for that um, type of individual, um, how he or she would abandon the lower realm rebirth and achieve higher realm rebirth. Um, the next set of state uh, teachings were called the teachings that are shared in common for beings of medium capacity. And these teachings uh, um, showed the student how to achieve the state of liberation or nirvana. Um, uh, these teachings for beings of medium capacity um, were uh, teachings that are an antidote to the grasping at true establishment um, and which then causes attachment and anger that then causes cyclic existence. Uh, so the teachings for beings of medium capacity are those teachings which show one how to abandon cyclic existence through applying antidotes to what causes it. Um, so then the practitioner can achieve the state of liberation or the Sanskrit word nirvana. Um, and then the teachings for beings of great capacity show the student how to achieve the state of Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. Um, so these teachings show how one can abandon or extinguish the self-cherishing attitude and achieve the mind that wishes uh, 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 to become a Buddha or bodhicitta, the mind that aspires to enlightenment. Um, so the uh, teachings for beings of great capacity um, show the practitioner how to eradicate even the imprints of the um, uh, imprints that are present that uh, uh, keep one from being a Buddha. Um, so uh, through reliance upon uh, um, this, these uh, trainings, um, such as the mind that aspires to enlightenment um, and the other uh, preliminary teachings, one can get rid of the obstructions to omniscience or the imprints of the imprints. So the, the, the teachings for beings of great capacity show one uh, the antidote to the imprints of the imprints um, so that one can become a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings. So uh, the teachings for beings of small capacity show one how to achieve higher realm rebirth. Teachings for beings of medium capacity show one how to achieve the state of liberation for him or herself alone, uh, or nirvana, just the qualifying factor for him or herself alone. Um, and then the teachings for beings of great capacity show one how to uh, achieve the state of Buddhahood. The small and medium teachings are in common with the great vehicle teachings and each other. In that order. <coughs>
The teachings for beings, uh, the teachings shared in common for beings of small uh, with with beings of small capacity, um, show the practitioner um, how to achieve rebirth in the higher realms. So uh, it uh, the, uh, it was taught that uh, it, there were certain reliances or certain practices which lead to um, that experience or that existence. Um, so uh, their practices are as follows. Um, going for refuge to the three jewels, um, abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities or the ethics which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities. And then if there has been an infraction or if one has engaged in a non-virtuous activity, an acknowledgement of one's downfalls in order to purify that negative action that he or she has engaged in. Um, so by relying upon the practices of refuge, abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities, and acknowledgement of one's downfalls, um, then uh, what the practitioner can achieve rebirth in the higher realm. So these uh, um, fall into the category, these topics fall into the category of teachings for be, uh, sharing common with beings of small capacity. Um, the, there are various corresponding results that link to actions that we engage in. Um, and uh, the experiences that we have as a result of the actions that we've engaged in have various levels um, uh, to them. Um, so uh, if we look at the ethics, um, which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities, there are ten ethics there. Um, and each of those ethics um, has a small, medium, and great level um, of potency that then produces a small, medium, and great level of experience. So um, uh, the greatest level of virtue produces rebirth into the God's realm, a medium level of virtue, medium level of the potency. I'm not going to keep saying potency, but we're speaking of potency. A medium level of potency of virtue produces rebirth in the demigod's realm, and a medium level of, I'm sorry, a small level of virtue produces rebirth in the human realm. If we look at the opposite of virtue, we look at non-virtuous actions, there are the ten non-virtuous actions. And engaging in non-virtuous activities um, uh, bears certain results, which also have these levels of, of experience. Um, if one engages in the greatest level of non-virtue, this produces the experience of rebirth um, in the lowest realm, the hell realms, a medium level into the hungry ghost realm, and a small level into the animal realm. So this shows how actions relate to the experience that they produce, be they positive, virtuous, or um, negative, non-virtuous.
So if, uh, if we look at the ten non-virtuous activities, if one can even abandon one or two of them, then this is very good. So if one uh, uh, engages in a non-virtuous activity or engages in any of among the ten non-virtuous activities, um, then Buddha has stated that there is a way in order to purify the negativity, um, that uh, one can apply an antidote or an opponent to the negativity and purify it. So the Buddha has stated, if there has been an infraction or if you have been unable to um, refrain from any of the ten non-virtuous activities, literally, um, uh, then there is a way to purify through acknowledgement of one's downfalls. The Nipodoji Lamasan, it means something. Less so. Um, so one uh, practice that is very powerful and, and uh, um, uh, good to explain is the practice of the application of the four opponent powers. Um, and by applying the four opponent powers, one can purify um, his or her negativities. So this is one such practice the Buddha spoke of when he stated that um, these negativities or uh, negative actions can be purified. Um, so the uh, four opponent powers have four branches or four divisions um, or four powers, uh, four uh, divisions of power. Um, the first is the power of regret. Um, this is regretting what the action that one has engaged in. Um, so uh, uh, having a regret uh, the second is resolve with commitment, uh, having a firm commitment or resolve not to engage in this action again. Um, and then the third um, uh, is the power um, of the antidote. Um, and the antidote is applying some sort of opponent practice um, that uh, um, to serve, uh, to, um, to uh, I'm sorry, to engage in some sort of practice that serves as a direct opponent to the non-virtuous activity that one is engaged in. Um, and then the fourth is the power of the basis. And here, basis refers to going for refuge and generating the mind that aspires to enlightenment, or bodhicitta. So uh, these are the four opponent powers. So the power of the antidote um, uh, is similar to a fire, um, and we can compare the misdeeds and that we've engaged in, and the seeds of the misdeeds in our continuum to a tree, um, that a fire has the ability to burn away. Through applying an antidote, through reliance upon these powers, one can uh, get rid of or eradicate 
um, the misdeeds uh, uh, are, uh, that the actions that we've engaged in are the the seeds of the actions that the misdeeds uh, in parentheses the the imprints um, uh, and and the seeds uh, of of them so we can eradicate um, these memories or these imprints within our continuum uh, by applying these four opponent powers and particularly the power of the antidote. So if one is bitten by a poisonous snake, then the experience will be some sort of suffering. But if then one, right after being bit, applies uh, with a needle some sort of serum to the poison, then this stops the poison's ability to produce the experience of suffering. Uh, likewise, the four opponent powers uh, stifle uh, and, and then eventually eradicate uh, the seed's um, potency or ability to produce the experience of suffering that is concordant with the action that has been engaged in. So the first is reliance upon sutras, uh, and sutras, uh, reciting sutras or, or, or sutras um, such as the 35 Buddhas of Confession, so if we can use uh, um, the one example of the 35 Buddhas, um, all of the other sutras would, would be the same. Um, the 35 Buddhas being a very good text to uh, use um, as uh, this antidote or for recitation. Uh, 
So um, in the commentary on the 35 Buddhas of Confession, um, it states that uh, just by reciting the first Buddha's name, who is Buddha Shakyamuni, um, and the homage paid to Buddha Shakyamuni, um, I don't know the exact, but it says to the um, conqueror, the Lord Buddha Shakyamuni, um, uh, it's a little bit longer, and it says I pay homage. I know it in the Tibetan, I just I can't think right now. So uh, it, it pays homage to Buddha Shakyamuni, and in the commentary, it states that just this homage um, alone um, purifies 10,000 eons of negative karma. Um, so um, in the commentary, we find the, the potency of just that one name. So there are 35 Buddhas um, that our uh, homage is paid to. Some of them purify 20,000 eons, some of them purify 40,000 eons. We find in, uh, this in the, co the commentary. So if, uh, if we can't recite the names as in the 35 Buddhas, it's appropriate even to um, use the mantric recitation of the name mantras of the Buddhas, uh, such as the um, name mantra of Buddha Shakyamuni, Teyata Om Muni Muni Mahamuni Soha. Um, so the name mantras um, are appropriate as well. So uh, any uh, um, of the um, mantras that are found in the four classes of Tantra are uh, okay to recite uh, and will have the same power. So it isn't one specific deity and all of the deities' um, name mantras have the same potency for this purification. So the second is uh, meditation upon emptiness. So meditation on emptiness refers to the lack of true establishment of things. And in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, we find many negations, negative statements. There is no this, there is no that, there is no this. Um, and here, these negative statements refer to um, the lack of true establishment of the objects being negated, not the existence of the objects. Um, so meditation upon the meaning of that Heart Sutra, the lack of true establishment of the objects um, that are seemingly being... Uh, 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 the lack of true establishments of the objects that... Uh, um, are being negated, uh, then this is meditation upon emptiness. So um, analysis of that is meditation upon um, emptiness, the lack of true establishment of objects such as the ones in the Heart Sutra.
so how how does emptiness serve as an antidote or an opponent? Um, uh, um, emptiness refers to the lack of true establishment of phenomenon. It is the mistaken view that grasps at phenomena as being truly established, that uh, grasps at a phenomenon as having some uh, true existence, that causes um, um, us to act out, uh, I'm sorry, that causes uh, um, um, attachment to arise, that causes anger to arise, and then uh, uh, because we are attached or because we are angry, um, then we act out in various ways through our body and through our speech. Um, and then it, it, it also affects our mind, the attachment and the hatred. So um, this then creates negative karma. So meditation upon emptiness or meditation upon uh, the non-mistaken uh, nature of reality um, serves as an antidote to the grasping at true establishment which causes um, all of the afflictions which then uh, cause us to act out, create karma, and then this karma creates negative ex future experiences. Um, so emptiness serves as an antidote in that way, um, that it serves as an antidote to the mistaken view that creates the entire process of suffering. But now, Taba Drenzing Lord, 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 so believing that a rope is a snake is a mistaken view. Um, in the same way, believing that uh, things are truly established is also a mistaken view. Um, so uh, the the two examples are both examples of mistaken views. And the only way to eradicate the mistaken view that the rope is a snake is to realize that the rope is a rope. Likewise, the only way to eradicate the mistaken view that things are truly established is to understand the lack of true establishment of all of these things. <laughs> ね、ハードな。デバルテンバス。デバ、デバ。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテンバス。デバルテ
um, and then uh, meditates upon the hundred thousand, um, uh, the hundred uh, uh, syllable. I'm sorry, hundred syllable uh, mantra of Vajrasattva. Um, the Dorje Sempi, the Sri Yomai Gare. I asked Rinpoche what the seed syllable, and Rinpoche said he thinks it's hum. But um, basically, it's just uh, explaining the practices that one engages in when uh, one is practicing Tantra. Um, and the same would be for uh, Chen Rezig. Uh, when one is doing the front generation uh, meditation upon Chen Rezig, um, and then engages in the self-generation form, where one imagines the seed syllable Shri with a mantra garland of Omani Pemi Hum uh, circumambulating that Shri. Um, these practices are what uh, uh, are being referred to um, in this third division, the the, when the word practices are used, or the activities it might even be. Um, so the self and front generation, and the uh, recitation uh, uh, of the mantra and the visualization linked to to it, uh, that recitation. So it would, uh, all of the practices in the four classes of Tantra are what be, are being referred to here in this third section um, in the power of antidote, or this third division of power of antidote. So any um, <coughs> of the practices in the um, four classes of Tantra, the uh, action Tantra, um, performance Tantra, yogic Tantra, and highest yogic Tantra, any of the practices of front and self-generation <coughs> any of those classes um, would be, uh, would fall into this third category of antidote, uh, reliance upon the practices or activities, um, uh, however it's translated, You'll, again in the great treatise. <laughs> The fourth is relying upon offerings, um, and uh, just what Rinpoche said, what we would think of when we say offering, making offerings. Um, there are many different kinds of offerings one can make. Uh, uh, an example would be uh, making offerings of flowers um, and so forth. So there are many uh, different um, types of offerings. Uh, so this one is uh, uh, making uh, images or bodies, um, and uh, this is referring to <coughs> statues or images of enlightenment, um, but also could refer to uh, building uh, temples or uh, creating um, um, uh, churches or monasteries. So we find in India, King Ashoka, who made uh, many offerings of stupas, uh, and this was uh, to purify misdeeds. This was a purification practice. Uh, and in we find in all the Buddhist countries, um, 
uh, where these statues have been made and stupas have been made in Thailand, in Taiwan, uh, in Japan, um, China, many different, uh, Tibet, uh, in Mongolia, all of the Buddhist places, um, uh, these things have been constructed and would fall categorically into this fifth category of uh, constructing images. Um, it really says bodies, literally, the word go, uh, um, but it, in the commentary there's more to it. <coughs> in Burma and Thailand we see all of these uh, um, uh, examples. Uh, so uh, by engaging in uh, this activity one can purify misdeeds. So, if one was to ask, uh, where can we find an example of uh, someone who has purified uh, his or her karma? Um, we find the example of the um, uh, given in Nagarjuna's letter to a friend, uh, where he um, um, shows the example of Angumala, who killed 999 people, but then after meeting with the teachings, um, did not have to uh, um, uh, meet with the normal results that one would have to. He achieved the state of foe destroyer, um, and he did this through reliance upon the teachings and through engaging in uh, purification. So there is the, this example of Angumala um, given in the letter to a friend. Alright, so we have one more. Um, I was actually just looking for it in the text. There's oh, one. うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、うん、う
So when we say one can see various signs in his or her dreams, we're speaking of the last dream state, not the first dream state, or the when I say dream state, time at night. So if you break the time of night while you're dreaming into three categories, it's not the beginning, it's not the middle, it's at the end, the last. Um, um, phase of dreaming that takes place, and if one is uh, well in body and mind, uh, then it's appropriate to analyze that last um, session of dreaming. And if there is a, um, a dream of climbing a mountain, or eating wonderful food, or meeting with teachers, or uh, going into temples, or seeing deities. Um, uh, or just waking up and genuinely feeling good, and feeling as though a good event has just taken place. Um, all of these things are signs that there's been a purification of some sort. There's many other examples that are given uh, um, in this great treatise text also, uh, as well, um, of, of signs of purification. Uh, so those were just some examples, not the only examples. <laughs> So the power of basis, uh, if we explain it a little more, uh, was the refuge in uh, Bodhicitta. Um, and uh, here, uh, the refuge refers to going for refuge to the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And it's going for refuge in a way that one sees the Buddha like a doctor, sees the Dharma as it is medicine, uh, um, and sees the Sangha as a helpful na uh, nurse or aid on this path. Um, so if one uh, goes for refuge in that way, and then couples that refuge with the mind that aspires to enlightenment, bodhicitta, um, then this uh, serves as the power of basis, which is the fourth of the opponent's uh, powers explained. The power of regret, the power of commitment, the power of antidote, and the power of basis. So this is similar, I think, to the Christian tradition where we find the idea of going for refuge to Jesus um, or going for refuge to God. Um, uh, we find this idea that by going for refuge to uh, a God or Jesus that we can purify our own negativity. So we find this is a common thread uh, between Buddhism and Christianity, no? What so in Christianity, the statement is that through engaging in the practices, the by engaging in the religious practices, um, one can achieve the ultimate happiness. Uh, one can achieve um, uh, um, an uh, end of suffering and a, a life or life in the heaven or life in heaven. One can achieve uh, life in heaven. So all religions have very similar ideas. 
Okay, so uh, it's not important. Can we say uh, that there are differences between religions? No. Of course there are differences in, in uh, the tenets and the philosophical systems of uh, um, religious traditions, but it's not necessary for us to point out what all the differences are. It's important for us to um, become religious friends. Uh, uh, Rinpoche said the word Dharma friend, uh, which can also be translated as religious friends. So it's important for us to uh, not seek out what these differences are um, that divide us. And it's better for us to become friends or religious friends. <laughs> Uh, so the Buddhists can learn or uh, receive um, um, explanations of the Christian path from the Christians, and the uh, Christians could receive explanations of the Buddhist path from the Buddhists. So this would be best. Uh -huh. So, oh, okay, so we should look at it like a, a smile, a small child. Um, who grabs for um, um, excellent things, uh, literally, Yunten, excellence, grabs for excellent things or wants excellent things. We should look at all of the good things that religions have to offer um, and the different religions have to offer and grab those good things that are, to, that are offered, the good things that are offered. <laughs> So if a child grabs after all that is good or, or wants excellent things, then would be, uh, then we should follow that uh, idea in a religious way and look at the good things that we can take from all traditions. Um, even in the Buddhist tradition, we find four different tenet systems that have differing views. We have the Vabhashika school, which is called the Great Exposition school. We have the Satrantika school, the Sutra school. We have the Chittamantran school, which is the mind-only school. And we have the uh, Middle Way school, um, or the uh, Madhyamaka school. All of these differ. All these uh, tenets are, are different. Um, this one says that that one isn't correct, and that one says that this one isn't correct. Um, but we, even though there are these disagreements within the tenets, it's all under the major heading of Buddhism. Um, so we don't say that it isn't Buddhism if there is a disagreement within our own tenet systems. What did that mean? So it's similar to this, that we should think it's, think, Similar in this this way or in a similar way. 
So the, um, if one wishes to achieve a rebirth in the higher realms, we would find this um, uh, topic in the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, um, where it shows how one achieves rebirth um, into these higher states or higher, higher realms. So the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity show how one is liberated from cyclic existence altogether. Um, so it shows uh, uh, how one achieves the cessation. When Buddha stated that this is the superior truth of path, Buddha was stating uh, the path that Buddha was um, explaining was a pathway which served as an opponent to the grasping at true establishment. Um, so th uh, through reliance upon a path which Buddha explained was the path of the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, the highest higher training in concentration, which utilizes as its object of observation emptiness, and the highest higher training in wisdom, which utilizes as its object of observation emptiness. Um, through reliance upon these three highest higher trainings, one can end the grasping at true establishment, which then ends the afflictions that it creates, which then ends the karma, the negative karma that the afflictions create, uh, um, and which then ends the negative experiences or the suffering experiences that we have that the um, uh, actions create. Um, so uh, through the path that Buddha may asserted was a pathway out of um, uh, suffering, which would lead one to liberation, which is a cessation of suffering. Um, so uh, this is what was meant by this is the superior truth of path um, and why. So, through developing the desire to definitely emerge, or renunciation, uh, that we find in the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, uh, one can then turn uh, his or her attention to others um, through uh, wishing to uh, um, get out. Um, uh, if one wishes to get out for him or herself, then it's possible um, to uh, develop uh, a love um, and compassion for others um, uh, and a wish for, for others to definitely get out as well or to definitely emerge from suffering as well. Um, so um, it, uh, all of these um, um, practices of love and compassion and bodhicitta depend upon or rely upon that uh, realization of renunciation found in the medium capacity teachings. Um, so 
if one can generate this love and compassion uh, which is directed at others, uh, other sentient beings, um, and then the mind that aspires to enlightenment, then this serves as an opponent to, or an antidote to, uh, the self-cherishing attitude. And by having a union of wisdom um, and uh, the mind that aspires to enlightenment, or method, uh, which falls into the category of method. So by having a union of method and wisdom, um, one can get rid of the self-cherishing attitude, which then uh, allows one to get rid of the obstructions to omniscience, um, which are called the uh, um, imprints of uh, the afflictions, so the imprints of the imprints. Um, so uh, and they're also called the um, obstructions to omniscience. Um, so these can be removed through reliance upon method and wisdom, which is a union of, of, of bodhicitta um, and wisdom. So then, if one has uh, all of this as a basis, then it's appropriate to engage in the tantric practices. Um, and one can engage in the front generation practices and the self generation practices of the tantric vehicle. But all of these preliminaries serve as the basis for the realizations within the tantric vehicle. And then, if one can engage in the tantric practices, then he or she will achieve Buddhahood very quickly. <laughs> So, uh, the mind, if we look at it, uh, uh, we can define it in, in this way. The mind um, is in the nature of clear light and unsullied, um, or unstained. So, it's in the nature of clear light and unstained. So, the afflictions that are contained within it are not its nature. The obstructions to omniscience which are contained within it are not its nature. The self-cherishing attitude in our mind is not in the nature of the mind. The, na the nature of the mind um, is unsullied or unstained um, and clear light. Um, therefore, um, uh, these th things are not in its nature and can be removed. What the Shachin of Jujin said at the same tool college and the Kaleo Adamato, Shilulio. So when we look at the practices of the um, uh, Great Seal, the Mahamudra, or the practices of the um, Dzogchen um, teachings, uh, we find that their work is not being done on anything external. There's work being done on the internal mind. Um, so the, there is no external object in the Mahamudra Dzogchen, it's an internal object which is mind. Mm -hmm. 
So it was stated by the great master Drone Tompa, um, who was a lay disciple of Lord Atisha, um, uh, that uh, if one was to condense all of Buddhist teachings, we would find it in the golden rosary of the teaching, uh, in the golden uh, rosary of the stages of the path, um, uh, um, according to the lamp for the path to enlightenment um, uh, by Lord Atisha. And this golden rosary of teachings um, has ornaments on it that are called the teachings for beings of three capacities. So all of the teachings are contained within this golden rosary and the the specific teachings for each of the types of beings or ornaments on that golden rosary. Um, so this was a statement made by Drone Tompa, um, and as literally as I could without the text in front of me. Mm-hmm. So, um, if we look at all of the great oceans, um, and then we look at the mountaintops where um, all of the waters run down from, um, all of the waters that run down uh, from the mountains end up eventually in the oceans. Um, so, uh, um, it's been stated that the um, Lamrim teachings, or the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, teachings, um, are like the ocean that collects all of the water from the mountains. And here the water um, uh, is being used to, um, um, as an example, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, here the water, uh, um, I'm trying to reverse this, all of the water in the um, ocean comes from the mountaintops. Uh, so uh, eventually all the water running from the mountaintops down ends up in the ocean. And it's a collection of water from all of these different mountains. Likewise, the Lam Rim teachings are a collection of all of the teachings that Buddha gave um, in the same way. So all of Buddha's teachings of Sutra and Tantra and Hinayana and Mahayana are like the water that runs down the mountains into the great ocean, and the great ocean being the lamp for the path to enlightenment, Lord Atisha's book. So we find this in the commentaries on the lamp for the path to enlightenment. But in English now, we have this uh, great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment. Um, and there, um, uh, this is a very uh, um, solid um, um, uh, work. Um, it's an all-inclusive work. Uh, and just for a translator's note, for those following, uh, it's in three volumes. Um, 
to complete the one Tibetan text that Rinpoche has in front of him. But it's all now been translated and out. Uh, Snow Lion, I believe, has it. Okay. So we've, uh, uh, I believe it's this. Okay, I'll find it as we go. Uh, I'm just trying to, Rinpoche said that we're going to, uh, I thought we were going to begin with the prologue. Rinpoche said we went through um, most of this uh, at the last class, so we're going to um, start in the second section. It's not divided into a second section in the English um, in the same way, so I'm just going to have to find out exactly where, what each starts, because I thought we were starting at a different point, but it won't be any problem. But just for anyone who's following it in the English, uh, it's not separated like it is in the Tibetan. It's just written in another page, included in the prologue. So I'll, I'll let you know uh, where exactly it starts and should be separated. What the Lanichamba, what the Damba, Damba Temping Hondos, Lanichamba, Sajimu, what the Damba Temping Hondos, then Karasmoas and there, Jayus Moro Tajinet Dubas, then London there, Jayus Moro Dutanga, Tajin Tim Samagi, Nanga, the London of Dudiwas. So it begins where it's separated on page 34. Here the teaching that I will explain is how fortunate beings are led to Buddhahood by the way um, of the stages of the path to enlightenment. Um, and then the first is, uh, which starts here, is that it contains the key points of all the conquerors' scriptures, uh, meaning that the great, the path, stages for the path to enlightenment contain all of the teachings of Sutra and Tantra and Hinayana and Mahayana um, that the Buddha gave. Um, so all scriptures are uh, contained within this summary of the stages of the path. First. So this is uh, what was meant by all the water from the mountains run uh, uh, into the ocean. Uh, the, uh, here, all of the key points of the conqueror's scripture are contained within this text or this work. Mm. So all of the, all of the conquerors' uh, um, scriptures, uh, oh, it's the key points, uh, there is a, a key points, it's actually, it's a summary, it doesn't say key points in the Tibetan, because key points means that there's points left out that aren't, uh, here it says a summary of all the, in the Tibetan, a summarize or a summary of, of the, um, all of the conquerors' scriptures. So it would be more literal. A summary of all of the conquerors' scriptures. 
or it contains all of the conqueror's scriptures. Uh, first, Sutra, Tantra, Hinayana, Mahayana. So then it says, our path, the pathways forged by the two great trailblazers, uh, Nagarjuna and Asanga. And if we look at the lineage of teachings, we see that there are two lineages of teachings. The extensive deeds uh, lineage, or the stages of the path contained within the extensive deeds lineage, um, and then the um, a profound view uh, lineage, or the stages of the path contained within the profound view lineage. Uh, Lord, uh, the master Asanga is responsible for uh, the uh, extensive deeds lineage, or the um, content within the extensive deeds lineage um, and Lord Nagarjuna um, is responsible for the content of the profound view lineage so they're called uh, two great trailblazers and whenever you see the trailblazers the two great trailblazers it was referring to Nagarjuna and Asanga <laughs> So in Nagarjuna's, the six churches of Nagarjuna, uh, we find uh, explanations uh, um, of the, uh, the most profound views. Um, so this is why it is called the profound view lineage. Um, and in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, again, when we find <coughs> negations, uh, this would, also, would actually fall into the category of the profound view lineage. Um, uh, and, and here, uh, the, um, negation, the negations according to the, the Madhyamaka system that uh, would be in the profound uh, view lineage. Uh, uh, and that Nagarjuna is responsible for. Okay, so in the root uh, wisdom text, uh, the Mika Karika, which is the uh, root wisdom text by Nagarjuna, uh, we find an explanation of the negations of form and sound and so forth. And the explanation is that the uh, form is not truly established. It is not not existent. It is just not truly established. And that sound is not truly established. So in the texts, we find these negations um, that take place. And there are uh, many reasons that are given um, for the lack of true establishment of all of these objects in these texts. So there's many reasons that are given and explanations of these statements within these texts that are in the profound view lineage. <coughs> so these negations are referring to emptiness in the Heart Sutra. 
So in the six treatises of of uh, Nagarjuna, the, uh, Nagarjuna states with many reasons why these negations refer to the lack of true establishment of the objects. Um, uh, so, um, um, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the extensive deeds lineage um, that Arya Sangha is um, uh, considered the head of or responsible for um, uh, gave more explanations of the, the various paths and grounds. Um, and in the Heart Sutra, we find the mantra that says Teata Om Gate Gate Para Gate Parasam Gate Bodhisoha. Um, and this mantra actually implicitly refers to the five Mahayana paths, <coughs> the path of accumulation, uh, which the first uh, um, Gate is implicitly stands for, Teata Om Gate. Um, and then the second Gate refers to the path of preparation. Uh, the third syllable, which is uh, uh, Paragate, uh, refers to the path of seeing. Um, the fourth, parasamgate, refers to the path of meditation, and bodhisoha refers to the path of no more learning. So these explanations, and then the explanations of the ten bodhisattva grounds um, and other paths, uh, were found more in the extensive deeds lineage that a sangha is noted for. So we find the explanations of the stages and paths and grounds uh, more in the asangha's text uh, and translators note the profound view lineage is more responsible for uh, the explanations of, of uh, emptiness at the highest view. Mobunyangan <coughs> So, uh, when Buddha was asked, uh, who will, when you pass to nirvana, be here to carry on the teachings, uh, Buddha prophesied that in 400 years after my nirvana, um, a teacher named Nagarjuna will arrive and elucidate the teachings of the Madhyamaka, the highest uh, teachings on wisdom. And 900 years after my nirvana, a master named Asanga will arrive to elucidate the meaning of the... Um, uh, mind-only school, or the Chittamantran school view that uh, Sangha is also uh, known for. Um, so, um, when asked, uh, I don't know if I originally said this, who will uphold the Mahayana teachings um, after you have passed, uh, this was the Buddhist statement. 400 years, Nagarjuna will come, and in 900 years, Lord Asanga will come. Um, Nagarjuna being responsible for the Madhyamaka teachings, the highest uh, middle way teachings, and Asanga being responsible 
for the mind only. Not only, but uh, my, uh, more known for uh, the mind only school. What did Nanganjanazum work as an Urdukon, Kazuri, Kebachan, Chimozon, Louis Pony de Yon? Anne Louis Pay, and the Shishin to Louis the Accomber, Yakeon Bon, Nietzsche, Jacob Zero, Sheridan. The net danger about the Jane, Mamisha, the Swedish Ranger, Ludus of Guate, and the Louis Jacob, Louis Lama is a Ludus. So uh, the reason that the master Nagarjuna is called Nagarjuna is because he retrieved the perfection of wisdom sutras from the land of the Nagas. Um, so th this is why he's called this name. He uh, was able to go to the, the Nagas land and get the 100,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra, the 20,000 verse, the 8,000 verse, um, uh, the Nichini Jetong, and then the Heart Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, uh, which is the smallest, more condensed form. So he was able to retrieve uh, these teachings from the Nagas land. And this is why in pictures of Nagarjuna you see the snake's head above his, because his teacher in a way, uh, his teacher in some ways was the Nagas who um, um, gave him these uh, um, lost uh, sutras um, uh, that he then explained. Uh, um, the perfection of wisdom teachings. <laughs> so if we look at historically a sangha was actually a half-brother of Basu Bandhu. Basu Bandhu uh, is responsible for the Treasury House of Knowledge, uh, the Abhidharma Kosha teachings. And Basu Bandhu, in, uh, being the brother, um, half-brother of a Sangha. Um, and it is said that their they have the same mother, Basu Bandhu and a Sangha. Um, and the mother was an emanation of Tara. Um, and she wanted to propagate the Mahayana teachings. Um, so Basu Bandhu was, uh, um, f had a different father than a Sangha. Tomei Papa Jeori. Okay, uh, so Basu Bandhu's father was actually uh, a Brahmin uh, from that caste system in India, um, and a Sangha's father was a king. Um, uh, so um, uh, they were half-brothers, and the mother uh, didn't want them to follow in the footsteps of, of either father. Uh, uh, mother, being an emanation of Tara, wanted them to uh, reignite uh, the teachings on the great vehicle that had kind of diminished at the time. Uh, so uh, uh, the, the story goes that um, Asanga um, actually meditated in a cave for 12 years, uh, because he wanted to achieve the realization of Lord Maitreya, who is the future Buddha. And then after a series of trials and tribulations and the inability to do that, uh, he generated compassion for a dog, and, and uh, from that compassion 
uh, was able to see Lord Maitreya, and Lord Maitreya took him to the Ganden or Tashita heavens and taught um, uh, the various the five uh, texts um, that we know um, of uh, for Lord Maitreya. Uh, so taught him uh, these different teachings, and then uh, Asanga brought them back to our world system. So it's a little history behind Asanga. And, and Basu Bandhu, who is another very important scholar uh, within uh, Buddhism, uh, uh, and, and how they're related and why um, um, they, they become such important figures. Because at the time, uh, the Mahayana had completely declined and uh, was in need of, of being uh, reignited. And they're responsible for bringing it back uh, so that the Mahayana was present in the world. So then uh, um, Lord Asanga brought back the uh, five great treatises of uh, Maitreya and then Asanga Tomei Becha Dun Oh, okay. And then uh, they um, also brought back the um, other uh, um, two, there are five great treatises of, of Maitreya, and then there are two other ancillary texts as well, for a total of seven um, treatises that uh, Sangha brought back um, uh, from Tushita uh, to uh, deliver to the world system for Lord Maitreya. What does he do? Jim Ludruton to me is he lost that. To me, the longer they were Jesus, he was sent on the ship that's with Jesus. So, uh, when it says the two great trailblazers, it's referring to the um, Nagarjuna um, and Asanga. Asanga, uh, from a view perspective, being more responsible for the mind only view. What did that So, um, it looks like maybe we're out of time. Um, does anyone have any questions um, for this evening? I know it's an enormous amount of information, um, but Buddhism has an enormous amount of information, so uh, we would be selling folks short if we didn't let you know that Buddhism has an enormous amount of information. Uh, so, does anybody have any questions that maybe pertain to questions you had about Buddhism that maybe weren't answered tonight or anything else? Sure. Um, I sort of missed your introduction in, to the introduction, but um, if we were going to start with something to read, would you suggest like, the Heart Sutras, or would you suggest what would you suggest in order to get an idea of where to start? Sure, the Namba Sarpa, the Nyalan Gariyakshu, Beche Gariyakshu, Tambo, Tambo Gariyakshu, Lapcha. ナンバーサバだ、ナンバーで、ラーリンチョブタリンにあしゅです。ラーリンカレーロードコドベルス。コドベワレス。ラーリンケバチェブチェブジグロネ、コワチェブワレス、コヨワレス。うん。ディンジ
um, are, really contain all of the elements necessary uh, for the Buddhist path. And if someone is a beginner, um, uh, the, the thing that's um, great about this text, uh, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, someone who is a beginner will read through it. It's in one book in Tibetan, so we're not saying three books, but uh, um, it would be for us. Uh, can read through it and re retrieve a beginner's understanding of all of the information that's there. It's palatable for a beginner. And then uh, as one advances in his or her studies and reads it again, then you get a medium level of understanding uh, of it. And then when someone becomes a great scholar, even he or she can read this uh, text one more time and derive a greater meaning of it than he or she did previously. So it's, it's something that uh, will build upon itself. And also any texts um, by His Holiness the Dalai Lama, um, and specifically ones that deal with the preliminary teachings or introductory Buddhist teachings would uh, be very good. Um, uh, there's a text called The Way to Freedom that I think is really an excellent beginner's text. It's very small um, and it really includes a lot of the information. Uh, this is a translator's note because uh, Rinpoche doesn't always know what books are available for us in English. Um, and then that is part of a series actually um, by the library of uh, uh, Tibetan Library to save the kind of tradition. Um, and the second book is called Awakening the Heart, Enlightening the Mind. And then there's a third book on death and dying, and it really kind of progressively goes through Buddhism, I think, in a, in a, in a way that it's, it's, it's a little sterile. It's not um, as, uh, it just a lot of information in it, um, which is good, as opposed to some of the um, less information, less sterile books that are out there, <laughs> if that makes sense. If you're looking for information or just a, a book that makes, you know what I mean, uh, I don't know. There's different kinds of books out there. Some are written uh, uh, in a more feel-good way. Others contain more information. Uh, so Rinpoche was saying more of the introductory books with the information in it ser that serve as a basis. Yeah. Anybody else? So why don't we do the dedication prayers then? Thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rinpoche. The concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer found in the tabbed off section right after the refuge prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. And we'll do them only in English. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri, and likewise Sarayabhadra as well with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and help for beings is Tenzin Gyatso, Chen Rezig in person. May his life be secure for hundreds of Kalpas. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wanda, upholder of spiritual realization doctrines. A spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance.